listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we close out 2022 with our take on Glass Onion and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan Season 3. Also, we're joined by a special guest. If it sounds like I've got a 10-month-old with me, it's because I've got a 10-month-old with me. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter's joining us, so you might hear her in the background. Nice. But first... If you're among our tens of listeners or new to our podcast, please help us out by smashing that like or subscribe button and give us a five-star review on any and all of the platforms you're listening on. Maybe even tell a friend or a loved one about us and share the link to this episode. And speaking of that, why don't you give us one last uh, sample script for 2022 there, Nelson? Well, Tim, with New Year's right around the corner, is a great opportunity to speak to your friends and loved ones while you're waiting for that ball to drop, right? You're sitting around, maybe enjoying cocktail, enjoying some company, eating some food, and you say, hey, speaking of countdowns, I've listened to this podcast called The Final Take. (laughs) (laughs) And one of my New Year's resolutions is to listen to more podcasts while I'm doing stuff like exercising and cleaning around the house. Oh. And, and and if you are thinking about doing the same thing, I would suggest listening to The Final Take. It's an amazing podcast about entertainment, movie, and TV. <laughs> I think I might take that suggestion. Yeah, I think, I think my daughter enjoyed that script too. I think she did. So, well, hey... Since we're closing out 2022, let's give a little sneak peek of what's coming up in 2023 because we are going crazy in 2023. It's not going to be you say. crazy, I say. We're not going to be just our normal Final Take podcast. We are going to be having guests. We are going to be having commentaries and more. We Ooh. are upping our game for 2023. So and I promise, I promise I'm going to get that YouTube channel going. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it going too. So <laughs> then we'll be on every single platform. So no, I know yeah, that's right. So, all right. Well, Hey, let's get to it with our first topic. So returning for season three, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan brings back John Krasinski, Wendell Pierce and Michael Kelly, with a supporting cast of Betty Gabriel, Nina Haas, Peter Guinness, and James Cosmo. When Jack Ryan is wrongly implicated in a larger conspiracy, oh, I know, I know, it's crazy. He becomes an international fugitive who is out in the cold and in a race against time. Ooh. Ooh. So. The, look, the, 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 the plot for this season was very prescient, considering... It involves it involves Russia. Yeah. It involves invasion of neighbors and former Soviet republics. Right. And a large conspiracy to start World War Three. Yes. And we also have to go spoiler free on this because I have one more episode to watch. Oh no. So but we can speak to structure and, and everything because uh, I am a big Tom Clancy fan. I, I'm a Jack Ryan fan as well. 
I definitely think that this was a very great bounce back from season two, which was lacking quite a bit. So I definitely think the uh, having that time off for COVID and stuff like that really let them just flesh out a, a, a good script, a good storyline, a lot of, lot of different subplots going on. Um, you know, just really trying to figure things out and put the pieces together with the flashbacks and everything. Um, the- well, and, and season two was, was they, they kind of dove back into more of the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, season right. two. Was, oh, I know. I know. I agree. Um, my, my daughter has some thoughts on it too. Um, season two was largely clear and present danger. Going into season three, they kind of they did a little bit of of you know the books, but it was largely kind of its own kind of standalone story, which I appreciated. I think that they they are really on a great track, and I, and I know they're they're they may stop at for the fourth season. I know it got renewed through the fourth season, but I you know John Krasinski's a hot commodity. He's got his career and stuff like that, and. And, and he, may, he may be joining the MCUC. Who knows? Well, we'll see. But um, I, I do have to say that I, I think that um, they should incorporate the books because it, a lot of people don't really know this that don't aren't familiar with the the books beyond beyond the television show or even the movies is that there is a total career spanning storyline for Jack Ryan from the his inception of becoming and it's not chronological with the books or anything like that so um from his inception of of you know being a a, a marine who was injured and and spent spent a year recovering and then becoming a CIA analyst and then an operations officer and then all the way up to becoming um a teacher and president of the United States so yeah. You know, I, I think that, that they have a lot to explore over time. And even if they stop at season four, it doesn't mean that they necessarily need to stop doing Jack Ryan altogether. Sure. They could take a five-year hiatus and come back oh, absolutely. And, and then just continue another, with another storyline that, that could align with Jack Ryan's story as he progresses in – uh, you know, in his life and stuff. And, you know, they can always bring back, you know, the girl from season one, who's, who ends up becoming his wife. And, and uh, um, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, this, this has a lot of potential, especially with the uh, without remorse crossovers with Michael B. Jordan sure. as Clark. And, you know, um, I, I'm really impressed by the season. Um, it just took off hard from the start, just, just hit the ground running. Um, I, I didn't have high hopes for the season after the last season. It was okay. Last season was okay, I but, uh, you know, it, <laughs> I, I'm not saying it was terrible or anything. I, I enjoy watching anything spy related, but I, I definitely think that, um, this is probably the arguably the best season of, of the three. Yes. Because it, 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 it was, it was more of a spy thriller yeah. versus an action spy thriller, spy movie yeah. right? or spy right. show. Right. Yeah. And well, just also with the, you know, telling the story, the, um, 
telling the, um, you know, just the subplots that are going on and also telling both sides of the story, the Russia side, the, the CIA side, the race against time really kind of holds that, you know, you've got so much going on. So we have uh, just, just a, a general rundown of the plot. You have, um, you know, Jack Ryan uncovers this, this uh, weapon. It's a small nuclear weapon that can actually be smuggled in and detonated and it's supposed to instigate a war between Russia and the United States. Um, the the intent is to to for those Russian purists from the Soviet Union days to actually bring back the glory days of the Soviet Union and make a return, bring bring that Soviet Union esque uh, country back into place and. <clears throat> they're really extremists. And the, so there's a flashbacks of this program that was terminated of, of this, this program with this nuclear weapon in back in the sixties. And now it shows these, these guys who were part of this terminating this, this uh, uh, program by effectively killing all the scientists um, showing them at, in their older age, you know, getting uh, either, working for or working against, you know, this movement. So a lot of moving parts and they're executing it perfectly. And they definitely brought in elements of, uh, hunt for red October. Um, there's another one. There's another book is called the bear and the dragon. I think they bought a little of that into it as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't so closely tied to the books. Like, like I think season two was, um, But uh, no, I, I think it was good, and it was it was more of like a rip from the headlines, right? Where yeah, right. you know it. I mean, a lot of parallels to what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Well, and also what one thing that's that's actually really good that they're doing is that that with this this series in general is that even though they're not following books per se, they're still kind of like a comic book film. They're taking those elements from the books. And putting them into their own new fresh stories and and just creating a new life for Jack Ryan. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and, yeah. and where it's like where's like Hunt for October? Where it's like, can they trust can they trust the spy on on the Russian side who's feeding them information or is it disinformation? Is he part of the plot? Um, right. you know, kind of like Hunt for Red October, where can they trust, you know, the captain of that nuclear of the nuclear submarine. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it, it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it throughout the entire run. Yeah. And I'm excited to watch, to, uh, finally watch that last episode tonight. But, uh, so obviously it sounds like you have a good take on that. What's your, uh, are you a watch a stream or a skip? Oh, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a watch because I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy yeah. fan. I mean, like, I have a pretty extensive collection of, of Tom Clancy, Tom novels. Clancy novels. Like yeah. in my twenties, when I was like, you know, really diving into all of those books. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have quite a collection there, and so I, I love anything Jack Ryan, um, and I definitely like this take on it, where it's a younger. Um, mm-hmm. younger Jack Ryan, he's, yeah. you know, um, more of an operative versus an analyst. Mm-hmm. 
um, but there's still like those, you know, that, that gathering data and Intel and, and, you know, um, try to figure out what the enemy is doing, who the enemy is, what, you know, what's going on while it's touching on elements of the books. It's mm-hmm. its own thing. I, yeah. I, I really, I like the twists and turns that they had in the season where, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were flashbacks to show, you know, a lot of the character development of these new, you know, of, of the Russian side, especially the Russian side, right? Yeah. Um, where, uh, what, what was that kind of the overall plot of, of this, of this device that was being, that was, that was developed in, you know, the eighties, seventies, eighties, and then, you know, kind of resurrected for this plot, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get the, the U S and Russia to, to, to go into war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought that was, I thought that was a, a, a kind of a really smart way of they, how they incorporated all of that, where, you know, they, they go like at the, at the beginning of the season, um, you know, they get a tip that it's on a boat headed to the U S uh, mm-hmm. but it's not actually a boat. It's another thing. And then they have to gather intel from that and then, you know, get more information. And, and yeah. uh, that sends kind of, that sends Jack Ryan on a whole different direction where he's a fugitive and, yeah. um, you know, seeing him kind of work outside of the structure of the CIA for this one, I thought was really cool. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was. Um, you know, even though we provided our takes on it and mine's, mine's definitely a watch, uh, I'm, I'm down for any type of spy thriller and, and they really follow kind of the rules of, um, of how, of the structure of how they, of how you kind of write these things. You know, you see things like this in Indiana Jones where they're going from like one thing to another and, and things change course and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I want to, I want to kind of point out a couple of performances that, that I really enjoyed. Oh, first of all, Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly is a, like a fantastic every man. He's an honorary government employee for me. (laughs) He was so, he's so good. He is so good. I, I, I love his performances and he just does that government, you know, employee, that government, person like bureaucrat who like knows more yeah yeah he was so good in house of cards yeah yeah house of cards he was in the um that uh the one where jeff daniels is is plays comey and he's he's the uh mccabe andrew mccabe um in the fbi and uh you know it like his performance in this like stands out you know and and i definitely think he could do a spinoff I mean, you could do a spinoff just for him. So I, I, I definitely. Oh yeah, where he's yeah. like an arms dealer now, and yeah, um, you know, he can do he, anything. Oh, he can do anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, look, I, I'll say this: Wendell Pierce is so good as James Greer. Yes, and Wendell Pierce right now is actually playing Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman on Broadway. He previously did it in London to rave reviews. And I would, I, I, it's just not in the cards for me to go see this right now. But if somebody just said, Hey, here's a plane ticket. Let's go to, go to New York and go see death of a salesman. <laughs> I wouldn't a second, man. He is an oh, amazing actor. I loved him in, in, in the wire. That was like a criminally underappreciated show. He was so good oh, yeah. in the wire. Yeah. He, and he, he has like, just, it's good to see some of these actors that have made such an impression um, in smaller roles, you know, really finally just get to break out 
And, and I can definitely appreciate that. And, and, and also a nod to Michael Kelly from man of steel too. He was, <laughs> yeah. he, was he had a, a, a smaller part working for the daily planet and man of steel. And, uh, I, yeah, it, yeah, I just, I enjoy everyone, everyone and, that has been in they, these shows. And they definitely gave Wendell Pierce a lot more to do this season compared to previous yeah. seasons where he's actually in the field. He's actually like doing spy craft. Um, he got some action scenes too. He did. He did. He, he kicked some butt, but you know, and, and it's good to see Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce has probably had the most evolving character throughout this entire series. You know, he was just this like, you know, kind of jaded. This is the end of my career. Um, this is where, this is where my career goes to die. Kind of a, a of a person at the season one, and then he becomes more of an asset in season two. And then this, this season, he's really just kind of um, just really kind of helping push Jack Ryan to, you know, make those moves so he can actually, um, you know, find the weapon and, and, you know, and accomplish what he needs to accomplish while, while getting, the naysayers on board with them and stuff and, and yeah. work that into things. So I, I would, I would mention one thing about this season compared to the other seasons uh-huh. is this season was, was lighter on action. Yeah. Much more like spy versus spy and, and a bit more in like, you know, situation rooms and, yeah. you know, right. get me this information. Like, you know, have you heard from your source? Like that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then, then like full out action, you know, set pieces. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I think, you know, like if you're going into a thing, it's going to be a full blown action movie or mm-hmm. action TV show. You know, it's probably going to be a little lacking for you, but I appreciated that it was more on the spy side of it. Yeah, I definitely, I can definitely appreciate that. So, all right. Well, Jack's Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan season three on a watch Prime from, video. on Prime Video, a watch from both of us. Yes. It's the Siskel and Ebert two thumbs up. <laughs> no. <That's>, no. <laughs> I don't want to get sued. We only tend to listeners. It's okay. Nobody else will listen. We're good. But that's the equivalent. It's the equivalent. Two thumbs way up. All right. Well, let's jump into Glass Onion. And we're just going to call it Glass Onion. Uh, we're not going to call it Glass Onion plus the Knives Out whatever. It's for people who need to know that it's a, gla- it's a Knives uh, Out yeah. I guess. But, hey, it's writer-director Ryan Johnson who's bringing us a second installment I don't want to call it the Knives Out franchise. We should call it the Benoit Blanc franchise. Absolutely. That's there you go. So Daniel Craig, who returns as the master detective, Benoit Blanc, and he leads an ensemble cast that includes Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Leslie Odom Jr., Catherine Hahn, Dave Batista, and Kate Hudson. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Billionaire Miles Braun decides to host a murder mystery weekend at his mansion, the Glass Onion, on his private island in Greece with his closest friends. Yes. Yes, indeed. Streaming on Netflix. So what were your thoughts? Um, my thoughts on this, and I know I know, I text you and said it was a hot piece of garbage. I was just completely joking. I enjoyed this. Oh my gosh. I was getting ready to, I was getting ready to unload on you. I was thinking of like ways 
to like belittle you without being mean on, on our podcasts. <laughs> here, here I am fooling you with trickery over here and then I'm striking you in the throat at the next step. So I, I thought this was really great. And, and I definitely think this is the Agatha Christie uh, of, of our generation. It, it's a good classic murder mystery. Absolutely. Unconventionally told storytelling. Yes. Um, and, 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 and you're right where, where Benoit Blanc is the Hercule Poirot of the mm-hmm. 21st century. Incredible. Right. Like, yeah, I don't think that anyone's doing murder mystery like this. Yeah. Well, Hey, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Leslie Odom Jr. He was in uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and he then was. he was in this. So he's he's crossed over, man. And but- let me say, let me say, <laughs> bonus bonus takes for Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. I mean, eh, close to watches for both of them. I'd say definite streams. Yeah. If if you're done watching. Knives Out and Glass Onion, and you and you need that murder mystery, you know, investigator, like to to to, to scratch an itch. Those mm-hmm. are worthy movies to watch. Um, yeah, great adaptations by Kenneth Branagh, and then Kenneth Branagh starring as Hercule Poirot. Right, um, and then also not so much an honorable mention, but also you have to watch Sherlock. Oh yeah, the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch BBC series. Absolutely, that's yeah, top notch. But I'd say you... I'd say what Ryan Johnson is doing with Benoit Blanc is definitely mm-hmm. at the forefront of you know murder mystery. There's a bit of comedy. There's lots of twists and turns, um, and he keeps you guessing, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if 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 I get that out of a movie where I have no idea what direction it's going. And there's so many misdirects. There's so many kind of like twists and turns in this where you think, you know, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. And then they give you like a right. flashback or like they give you like a little crumb and you think you have an idea and they pull the rug out from under you where it's not really that way. Like he does it so well. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I would say that he does Benoit Blanc with a little bit of pizzazz. You so. know what the best part is, <laughs> is the accent is so silly where, you know, Daniel Craig, an, an English actor doing an American, like a Southern accent. And doing it's like, southern draw. it's like, it's like a combination of like foghorn leghorn and, <laughs> and the, um, and the, and the Kentucky fried chicken kernel, you know, like it's, it's like a mix mm-hmm. of those two. And it's the silliest, it's the silliest, accent and you know how i feel about accents but he just goes for it and i love it oh yeah he does he does without a doubt you know uh i have to say I, did you hear ben shapiro's take on on uh glass onion <laughs> yeah. apparently you did no it's just silly oh my gosh okay first of all okay people who are analytical that analytical in their regular lives really just need to kind of stay away from entertainment because he has, he has this little side gig where he's, he's reviewing movies and stuff 
from the mind of someone who just purely looks at the world in analytics and first and foremost everything first and foremost not necessarily the 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 first source that i would go for movie reviews one oh no, yeah no doubt but two the take on it was like was was they spent too much time developing character and then like for it to be a murder mystery for for it to take so long and then like to be confused about you know who the murderer was and and what the mystery is like bro that's entertainment like you you want to be kept guessing the entire time like i don't understand like it was too smart for you like i don't i don't get they use a storytelling tell- trope where where they're using they're telling two different sides of the story throughout the film. So they, as opposed to just being a murder mystery with a linear storyline all the way through, they tell part of the story, then they go all the way back to the beginning, right? And they tell another side of the story. And and that was that was probably the one holdover. So I think we discussed it briefly where this movie Glass Onion was was so different structurally and and how they went about right. unveiling the murder part of it mm-hmm. and sure. and how to solve it then then knives out um and so the they were two completely different standalone movies right yeah. the only holdover really being Benoit Blanc and and right. st- story wise structurally the only holdover from the first one was that was that it used that non non-linear storytelling of Right. Showing you one whole part of the story and then backtracking and then giving you a whole different angle to analyze, mm-hmm. you know, the happenings of, you know, this mystery to yeah. keep you guessing. That's right. That's right. And, you know, this is not an original idea to tell this for storytelling like this. It is unconventional. But that I can think of one movie where the entire movie is structured like this. Um, it's it, there's a French film called "He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not" with Audrey Tateau. Um, I think I'm pr- probably butchering her, butchering her name. This um, is a real deep cut, isn't it, Tim? It's a de- it's a deep cut, and, but it's a, <laughs> it, okay. It's a foreign film. It's a French film. Not a lot of people have seen it. It is very good but you're getting her side of the story throughout the entire thing. And and it's not until the end, the last like five minutes of the film is that you're getting somebody else's take on the film and, and you're like, Oh wow, that's kind of crazy. But how it was executed in, in glass onion is that it was just well done to where they didn't compromise any of the giving anything away. So they, they kept that, they still kept that tight and they kept guess like the audience guessing, right. Um, they kept that intact, even though they had to go back and tell the rest of it, it was necessary to get that point of view. You can't just sit here and go through this entire movie and be like, Oh really? You're just this person and blah, blah, blah. You know, here's the big reveal. That's the genius of, of both of these movies of knives out and Mm -hmm. of glass onion is that, they take that 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 storytelling um, device of the un, unreliable narrator, yeah, and they kind of turn it on its head, mm-hmm. right? Where where in the first one, 
where Benoit Blanc is trying to get, um, I can't remember uh, Anna Damaris's character. He's trying to get her to recall details, right? And uh, of of that night, of the night of the murder, of of her actions and and the the comings and goings of of different people. Um, and she's unreliable in that way, right? And they kind of do the same thing um, with uh, with um, Janelle Monae's character. Um, and, and without kind of going too far into her character, um, you know, she she definitely plays in the two different kind of storylines uh, in in the movie. She she plays basically two different characters um, of of where you see her one way where she's so confident and so cold in the first mm-hmm. act of the movie. And the second and third act where they're kind of doing the flashback and starting over, you know, you, you can see just like how nervous she is and like how mm-hmm. she's playing and playing a role. Yeah. Um, and then how she's trying to go through like the actions of, of the character and then describe all those things to Blanc, you know, again, kind of un- unreliable narrator um, and then kind of turning that in all different directions. Yeah. That's right. And it's funny because this is the biggest beef that that Ben Shapiro had with the film because he was like he was like it it felt like an hour of wasted time. It would just waste my entire time. It it was just completely an hour of wasted time. I mean <laughs> Sorry, is that too on the nose? I mean Um Yeah. <laughs> That whole the whole writing thing is just completely <laughs> lazy. I don't write screenplays; I just do political commentary. He but definitely, it he was definitely lazy. reviews movies like someone who's had re- multiple rejected screenplays, in which yeah. he is someone who's had multiple rejected screenplays. <laughs> yeah, no, and and this is the funny thing about it. He says he's like he says. Any of them could at any time burn down Miles. Uh, he equates he uh, Miles Braun as to Elon Musk, and and when he gets political on this, and and just can't suspend disbelief and just take take it for the entertainment. And this is, I think, this is why our podcast is important, and those tens of listeners are are hanging on to the importance of 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 why we like entertainment, because we don't sit here and we equate it to everything out there. I mean, obviously there is some relevance to Jack Ryan season three, but we're not going to sit here and be like miles Braun is just an Elon Musk. But at the end of the day, miles Braun was just a coattail writer right. who just happened to happen to kind of be a positive dude who got people to take those steps that they, they couldn't do on their own without any encouragement. Right. And if anything, I felt like the miles Braun character wasn't so much Elon Musk as yeah. he was more of um was that dude from WeWork? Um oh yeah, totally. Where, where he was more of like a fraud. Where right. it wasn't he like he played he was playing a role and you know trying to trying to project um himself as you know a brilliant spiritual you know uh, uh altruistic billionaire. Yeah. Um, right. When he really wasn't, he was just a right. dude that liked money, <laughs> yeah, and that's true. and could speak eloquently in a way that got a lot of people to do the things that he wanted to do and give him money. 
Well, it's, it's funny because Ben Shapiro suggests that all of these people could, who basically equate their success to him, um, it was really just a question of, of um, he basically turned the tables on them and, and now they're living in fear because they're sucking on the teat of, of Miles Braun Right. When they could just cut him, they, he, you know, and Ben Shapiro's right. He could, they could just cut him loose and, 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 and be strength, but they live in fear. They live, they, they, they psychologically believe that Miles Braun gave them everything they have and he can take it away at any time, you know, but, uh, you know, someone who doesn't think that way, like Ben Shapiro, essentially is is saying that okay at any time they can take the power away from him because they're the famous people they're the successful ones but uh, it, that would be an entirely different film and that's not Ryan Johnson's impression but no it, it, and 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 when in interviews i've seen were prompted like hey is this like a Elon Musk analog he's like no he's just a character that i wrote <laughs> yeah dude like, there's so many billionaires out there right now and there's so many billionaire frauds out there right now right and it's like it's an amalgam of of many different people likely who have essentially talked their way to the top but you know at the end of it all though at the end of this text thread thread and stuff like that he responds to somebody and says the last jedi sucked too <laughs> oh sorry no no and the last jedi sucked too um the the funny thing about it is like okay as 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 a climaxing film in a trilogy a la the empire strikes back it wasn't good but just as a film on its own yeah it was it was all right i enjoyed it hey hot take you know i love the last jedi I don't think it was a terrible film, but no, I just I just gr- don't think granted, it was there the were right. Pro- there were problems with it. Yeah, like you know, he he didn't have to be so like fast and loose with Luke Skywalker ca- character. Yeah, and yeah. you know how 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 he you know the way that they that they set up his first meeting with Ray at the end of uh, uh, of um, the Force Awakens to how he handled that interaction in the last Jedi. I get it. Um, and then he did a few other things, but you know, in terms of a lot of the elements that he used with like the force projection and, and all that with yeah, the Skywalker sure. character, like that, that he dove into Canon for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think as a star Wars film, it stands on its own and it's, and it's an enjoyable film. Thr- it's very much uh, the throne room fight yeah that action set piece you could put it up against any other star wars fight oh yeah no doubt uh, in, in all of in all the tv tv the movies all of it that fight scene was incredible yeah yeah and and, and I, th- I think it was very much a, a master and commander-esque type of film where it was just like a constant chase throughout the film but um, where, where that's probably where it's biggest flaw laid, um, uh, you know, whereas there was, there was so much movement, uh, 
forward in the empire strikes back that the last Jedi actually, that's where it stumbled as a, as a, as a middle film in a trilogy. But obviously we're not talking about the last Jedi. Yes, I was going to say we yeah, digress. We digressed hard, but, but look, you know, you, you can't, you look between, between knives out and glass onion, mm-hmm. you cannot deny the genius of Ryan Johnson as a screenwriter. He He's, I mean, didn't the 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 layers of the characters and their interactions Mm -hmm. and the writing and the twists and turns that the plot takes and how it keeps you guessing, yeah, um, and how he and and sprinkling in the humor throughout, you know, the entire film um, and callbacks to like real life memes and just in jokes in the in in the in in the movie universe the execution of of his writing and the directing of it and, and then mm-hmm. of course the performances we haven't even spoken about the perform- performances yet um mm-hmm. is incredibly good yeah um before we get into some if, of the performances if netflix, really good. if netflix wants to throw even more money at him to keep making these movies after the the next one i'm all yeah. for it i hope they do and it sounds like yeah. it sounds like daniel craig is on board as well yeah, I'm sure he loves playing this character, and, and it's a lot uh, it's a lot easier of a character to perform than James Bond. But you know, uh, one thing early on in Ryan Johnson's career, he did that film Looper, which was a very complex um, sci-fi film with with uh, um, what's his name um, Bruce Willis and Emily Blunt and what. Uh, um, Five Hundred Days of Summer. I can't remember his name. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, uh, where was like Looper. the Looper? Yes. Yeah, it's such a good film. Oh, and, sure. And I think I think I think it, in his own right, Ryan Johnson's a great filmmaker. So that said, let's get to some performances here on on Glass Onion. I mean, Benoit Blanc. Well, Daniel Craig is Benoit Blanc. I mean. Just every scene he's in, just chews it up, and you can mm-hmm. tell he's having so much fun. And there was a there was an interview with Dave Bautista where he mm-hmm. actually he was actually in a James Bond movie. Um, he was, yeah, that's right. And and he said Daniel Craig on set between those two movies, between playing James Bond and Benoit Blanc, night and day, where he was actually enjoying himself. With Benoit Blanc, he 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 was like yeah. living that character and really enjoying playing with him. Where there's such a seriousness sure. and 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 um you know so much more gravity with with James Bond that he definitely enjoyed. He 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 he, he was definitely more of a joy on set. Yeah, <laughs> on on Glass Onion, um, and you can see it in the performance and 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 that he really enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and, and I, I, you know, Daniel Craig's just enjoyable to watch in the, in these two films uh, just in general, but um, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to just highlight two of the two other performances, because I really think that, um, that um, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson and Dave Batista kind of just really, they were, they were great as the ensemble cast. They were going for um, it. every single one. It, yeah. They, you know, just to, just to touch on them really quick, they were perfect. Casting was perfect. They played their roles perfect, but I want to say like Janelle Monae 
played a little bait and switch on me because, you know, as Andy Brand, you know, just I was very underwhelmed with her character. She was a little bit on the mysterious side at the beginning. Yes. But when you find out what the secret is without giving it away, then you're like, oh, okay. And then she just crushes oh my her gosh. performance yes. to the end. Where yes. where, you know, in, in that reveal where where they go back and, and, and tell the story from the beginning. Um yeah. and, and you see um it's it's genius the way that she plays it. Yes. Um and 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 again you could see just like she enjoyed playing that character and she was mm-hmm. and she was in it. And the parts where she's like running around and like rifling through people's rooms and um yeah. picking up clues to try to solve, you know, the murder. Um yeah. you know it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was. But uh Edward Norton, uh, since he had had very you know much more of a focused, larger role, he's playing think, pure Edward Norton. Yeah, I think he wasn't doing anything other than playing himself. You know, he was um, he's he's done that that role that he's done a hundred times, and and uh, um, the very unlikable person. From what I understand, I guess he's playing himself in real life. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, you, hey, know, but, you know what? You know what? This character, his the the portrayal reminded me a lot of um, the the character that he played in the Italian Job, where oh, yeah. in certain yeah. circumstances he looked like he was completely yep. put together, and then yeah. in so many others you're like, oh, this dude's like a buffoon. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I I, I do have to give an, a tip of the cap to Ryan Johnson for casting two people in this in this uh, as Benoit Blanc's celebrity friends who have now uh, passed on uh, Steven Sondheim and Ange- Angela Lansbury. Um, it was great to kind of have, see them kind of pop up, you know, <laughs> really quick. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a little tip of the hat to him, you know, for, for giving them their last performances and, and, you know. and to see where he's not like he, he may be a master detective investigator, yeah, but he's terrible at Clue and at Among Us. <laughs> amazing, just, amazing. That was the funniest thing ever. He's like, I'm so bad at Clue, and, and I love how he's like all of us during the pandemic. Where like they're they're taught they're like Benoit, you probably need to get out of the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, not in the bathtub, and then the, he has everything in there. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a good film. So all right, let's let's wrap up here. Final take watch. on it's a watch. You're like, it's a watch. It, this yeah, glowing it, review, it's a watch. Yeah. And, and honestly, Definitely. like I I'm kind of sad that you know Netflix stuck with their normal distribution of you know a week or two in theater just to get that, you know, the awards um consideration, yeah, and then they right. went straight to streaming. I wish they yeah. would have given it a full theatrical run so I could watch it in theater. Like we we couldn't get yeah. into it. Um I really wish True. we had. Yeah, that's that's true, and uh, it's it's definitely a solid watch with me. I very much enjoyed it. Um, and then I'm just gonna say Ben Shapiro's movie reviews is a solid skip. Um, so for for that, that's the best advice I can give anyone going into 2023. But <laughs> <laughs> 
course. <laughs> Skip the movie reviews. Stick to your day job. It, yeah, it's the uh, it's it's the well maybe not even stick to your day job. I think it's like the the uh, the equivalent to what what they say to athletes like shut up and dribble like shut up and shut up and dribble talk about politics yeah. maybe <laughs> shut up and shut up and go back to college campuses. So um, all right, well that is our final take of 2022. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe, like, give us five stars and a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives that 2023 will be full of surprises. Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at The Final Take Pod. Email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com. Check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com. We will soon be posting blogs on there. So we would very much enjoy you to keep keep an eye out on that space. Keep an eye out on our social media. We're going to take a brief hiatus, come back in January, and we are going to hit it hard. Have a great end of 2022. Happy New Year to our tens of listeners, to our families. That's right. And, and my son, who's yelling in the background. Oh, man, I've barely been able to keep my daughter at bay here. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.